0: our church family so many talented musicians that is so cool I I am just thankful for that if you it's just I could sit and listen to that all day man that's so good I I'm reminded when I jump into the book of James I'm reminded of a uh, uh, illustration I read in a book called Speechless written by Stephen Curtis Chapman and I read it years ago and in that book Speechless He refers to a time when he was fishing uh, in the streams in a particular mountain and trout fishing, and he was standing on the banks, and uh, along with a bunch of other people, and he was, you know, doing a little trout fishing, and nobody was really catching anything. I mean, not even getting a bite, and uh, the the river was moving pretty rapidly. You know, it was a pretty Uh, pretty fast-moving current in the river. And so he goes on and talks about that people begin to gather on the other side of a rock just around the bend, and they begin to say, you got to come and see this. And there was a guy who was leaning back chest deep in the middle of the stream, and he was fishing and catching trout every cast. And the guy looks back and says, if you want to catch the fish, you got to come in deep. And of course, everybody around began to notice the current and how fast it was moving and how challenging it would be to really get chest deep in this current. And you had to know what you were doing, but it all started with taking the risk to move. And sometimes just getting that first foot in front of the other is a big deal. When I step into the book of James, we find that this guy is talking about movement, He's talking about the life that doesn't stay the same, and it's not moving in hopes to know that Christ loves us. It's moving out of a love that Christ has for us to see change that occurs in us. And that's what's fantastic about this, is that we know that through this, there's this deep-rooted belief and conviction that Jesus can do things in us and through us, but we've gotta trust him and put to practice the things that may seem a little scary at first. And the book of James does not pull off the gas pedal at all. Our pastor gave me a text today that, I'm not gonna lie, it's a fiery passage. It's James chapter one, verses 19 through 27. And it only takes about two and a half hours to really get everything we need to out of this passage. So I need you to listen quickly because I wanna hit some high points and here's what I wanna do. I wanna try to hit high points that I think are gonna be congruent with the principles of putting our faith into an action that displays what Christ is doing and has done in us. That's important because if you're not careful, You will always spend your life trying to work in hopes to make God proud of you. Because that's how we treat relationships this side of heaven. If I want to make my parents proud of me, I do more, right? If I want to make you proud of me, I'm going to do something for you. Guess what makes our God, the creator, proud of us? When we trust him and what he's done in us through his son, Jesus Christ. And out of that truth, we work and we serve and we change and we're on the move. It does not please our father when we sit and we are unmoved and unwilling to take those risks that he's called us to take. I'm very challenged by today, but I'm very excited because I think that there's something special that comes out of the church that really puts to practice the principles and the commands that James gives us because, man, every square inch of the book of James is just filled with commands. When you see commands, you know you got to be on your toes. you got to be moving and ready to move, but move is a good thing. Move refers to an object that changes from one place or position to another. The object to move, according to James, is our life. So this is the object he's referring to, that our life has to move. It's not enough for you to stay the same, to hear the word of change, to hear the word of life, and just to stay the same. There's a world that's going We expect you to look no different because we've seen no different for so long from so many people. But that's not us. Church, that's not us. We believe the words of Christ. Our hope is in the words of Christ, and so we lean on what we've heard. We lean on what we study, and we let it change us. So we're going to read some of this text together, and we're going to move through it. Pretty quickly. I'm going to only read through the sections and then we'll talk about them. So you got to hang out with me, okay? We're going to start at verse 19 and we'll read through 21. Know this, my beloved brothers. Let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. For the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Therefore, put away all filthiness and rampant wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word which is able to save your souls." He starts off this section of commands because he wants, he wants you to see that there's an end in mind. There's a point to the conversation. Now, this is, this is a time when James is talking to people who are surrounded by a very idolatrous culture where we put other things above God we don't know anything about that do we in our culture it's something that relates to us but I want you to see the end in mind that James is talking about because I think with that in your head it'll help you have the perspective so look down at the end of the chapter verses 26 and 27 and then we'll go back and talk about verses 19 through 21. If anyone thinks he is religious and does not bridle his tongue but deceives his heart, this person's religion is worthless. Religion that is pure and undefiled before God the Father is this, and this is what it comes down to, this is the end in mind, to visit orphans and widows in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. The idea with the end in mind is for us to know that it's the heart of the believer that steps into the treacherous places of the world that are not esteemed and they're not pretty, but we don't step into those places because they are alluring. We step in there because there is a command to see a need and that need is to go and do what James has commanded us to do. James doesn't just command us out of nowhere. You realize that, huh? James is the brother of Jesus. So James is pointing back to a life that was Christ's. So this relational. This relational command that he's given to us to go into these places with the orphans and the widows and their afflictions and their hurts is to go, it is not convenient for you, but how do you step out of a place of convenience and idolatry and to be that person who says, I want to serve and I want to give and I want it to be full of love. I want my life to be full of mercy I want it to be full of kindness and I want the righteousness of Christ to come out of me. It's because you have to go back to the beginning and say, I can't simply come and listen to truth it doesn't move me it's not enough to hear it and so he says from the beginning that here's the problem is that we have this issue that we need to discuss and I want to tell you this is that it's wise for us to move it's wise for us to move it produces the right heart that revealed the true characteristics of Jesus did you know a disciple of Jesus should always seek those opportunities to engage the world with his life changing message? Not, not the message that we have or the agenda that we have, but the life changing message of him. So, meaning this, sometimes we need to decompress and take a little bit of pressure off of ourselves. Because the wisdom of James is for us to be put in position to be transformed and stepping out of the flesh, and stepping into the Spirit, and walking in a place where Christ is seen clearly through our activity. That's why he addresses this issue to the brethren, to the beloved. He said, let every person be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger. James answers, how? How? This is how the disciples' relationship should be defined. Not by the way that comes natural, because the way that comes natural is that we want to be slow to hear, quick to speak, quick to anger. We want to be distant and isolated, and we want to respond out of urgency, not conviction. Friends, that's not condemnation that's reality of sin and brokenness and guess who has sin and brokenness you do and I do so we're in this together so we might as well learn and say okay Lord this is gonna hit hard this is gonna be heavy and I need to be the one that says my heart needs this more than anybody because the propensity in this situation is for you to hear a message that really lands hard And you go, boy, I wish my husband were here to hear this. Boy, I wish my neighbor down the road was here to catch this one. Oh, I wish Sally was in Sunday school today and church today. Lord, how mercy. And then you start talking about that's how the enemy works. The people that need to hear it, we're not here. I know. I think that way also. We're in this together, though. We're in this together. Where's Donna? No, I'm just joking. Bad joke, bad joke. We'll need marriage retreat next weekend. <laughs> so, <laughs> oh, Actually, that's a, a prayer concern. You, you know, the enemy works, doesn't he? Spiritual warfare is real. My middle daughter, Kylie, got to church, started feeling sick, and she has been very nauseous and sick and been laying in the pastor's office. And so she had to take her home. That's how the enemy works. Jeremy's little girl got sick. The enemy's working. The enemy doesn't just hit you, he hits the ones you love. We need the Word of God. We need to listen because our victory is in Christ. My little girl's going to be fine. Riley's going to be fine because greater is He that is in us than He that's in the world. Okay, let's move on. The first thing He says is we need to have this relationship to the Word. Do you accept the challenging teaching by Jesus? and allowing him to move you from where you are to where he wants you to be. That's what James is talking to them about. He says, the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. The righteousness of God comes from this life that is hidden in Christ, saturated in Jesus Christ alone. Not just knowing about him, but letting him move and shift us from where we are to where he wants us to be. And that's the place where you find satisfaction, fulfillment, and purpose. That's where we're able to care for the widows and the orphans. That's where we're able to keep yourself unstained from the world. This is the point. We want to see the end in mind, that we are getting out of the way and letting Christ be magnified by how we live and point to him. When people see your life, they should see that Christ is evident in your actions. They should see that in my life. So what are the things that we allow Christ to do in us? He says these words. He says, you should be quick to hear, slow to speak, slow to anger, honest and confessional, responsive to conviction. This morning, if we were to start off the service and asking you, how have you been doing this week with being quick to hear? Are you a listener when somebody tells you something? Something that's instructional, do you, commit, you completely shut them off because you're like, I don't need instruction from you. Oh, I tell my children all the time that the greatest attribute of a person who grows wise is that you are teachable. Jesus teaches us that, that we are to be learners, quick to hear, slow to speak. That's a tough one for me and some of you we get this thought, we get this irritation, something rubs us the wrong way, then man, it is nothing for us to just speak on it. It is nothing for us just to let it go. But he says, there's a reason for this. There's a reason that you're not seeing your life shift and change and that you see yourself becoming unteachable and constantly pushing people in a direction that's not where Christ wants you to lead them. It affects how effective the church is to the world. It affects how effective the church is in the world. So how is your relationship to the word of God? Are you teachable? Did you come here this morning saying, I need to learn? Or did you come here this morning saying, I'm going to do church and go back home? Because it's wise for you to put yourself in position to move, is what James is saying. So, how do we do that? Ready? It's not, it's not rocket science. Hear and do is how you move. That's it. Hear and do is how you move. That's simple. That's what you get when you have me up here. Hear and do is how you move. What does it look like when you just hear? What difference do your actions have when you just hear the word of God? You come to church, you get emotionally involved in what's happening in the pulpit, you hear a good sermon, and you walk away with this great word from the service that brings you under conviction, and then you do what? Nothing. What does the Bible say about that? Let's read it together. Verse 22 But be doers of the word and not hearers only. What's that word? Deceiving, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he is like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and goes away and at once forgets what he was like. James, the brother of Jesus, is saying that we really need to avoid being deceived. Can I just tell you something from the bottom of my heart? Here's what I believe. I believe that we would see more impact in our nation today if the church never heard another sermon and started doing the sermons she's already heard. I believe that's an impact that would be transformational in the nation that we live in. But we can't go back in time, but we can start today by saying it's me that has to listen. It's me that has to hear and do so that he moves me to where he wants me to be. It's not enough that I sit still and be deceived. The world's being deceived. We talk about the deception that's everywhere. The deception in the government, the deception in the places of education, the deception in you pick your poison and there's deception. But the truth is, is that deception is rising high in the church. Not because it's all about bad preaching, it's about that we're just hearing it and doing nothing with it. That's deception. And James doesn't want us to be poisoned by this whole actionless life. He says, I want you to really avoid being deceived. I want you to grab the teaching's of our Savior, and I want you to apply it to your life and run in the places that he wants to use you because how he moves you is on purpose. Doing this is like looking in a mirror, seeing what needs to change, and then doing nothing. I have a question for you. You probably saw this coming. How long did you stand in front of the mirror this morning? You know what the answer is? As long as it took. As long as it took, for some of you, you know what? took a lot shorter than it did for me. Long as it took. Because you weren't going to come here not looking right. That's what we have to guard against when we hear this word of truth spoken to us and we're under conviction. And then the question is, what do we do with it? Oh, isn't it Difficult. Isn't it difficult when the mirror makes us aware of what we need to do to look better, and we just ignore it? I mean, I could get graphic at this point, but I don't think that many of you would walk in with eye crusties caked up all over your face. Hey, that's what James is talking about, which is disgusting. But you're not gonna do that. You're gonna clean yourself up. You're gonna put yourself in position to not go out looking like you haven't taken care of what needs to be taken care of. The reason he uses the illustration is because you do care about the physical appearance, but let's talk about the place that matters most to God. He does care about how we look at times, but he cares most about your heart. You see, your heart is a place where you are going to be challenged, and ultimately, that's what he cares most about. Remember, in Samuel When David was being chosen as king, and he goes through all of the all of the sons, and he comes to David and said, Man looks at the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. We don't want to be deceived, we don't want to just stand there. It looks something like this. You guys, I looked in the mirror today and I noticed that I need to shave. Pray for me. Pray for me. Guys, I looked in the mirror today and my hair was a mess. Would you pray for me? When simply I could do what? Shave or fix my hair. Right? Instead, we get convicted and we ask people to pray for us instead of going, I need to put to practice what God has put in me. Prayer requests aren't bad. Don't take that out of context. What I'm telling you is, is that when God puts us under conviction, when we hear the word that he speaks to us, there is a point of application that you're responsible for. And that point of application is not to say, hey, my hair looks messy. I looked in the mirror, but I walked away with it messy because you know what? I need you to pray for me. I don't know what to do about that. That doesn't make sense. God puts us in position to see change. How bad is it? Well, Jesus actually illustrated this over in Matthew chapter seven. Turn to Matthew chapter seven. Matthew chapter seven, really quickly, because this illustration has two different points. Point number one starts with verse 21 of Matthew chapter seven. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Oral allegiance confuses people, but it deceives the one who speaks it. Do you understand that? I've got to have that sinking in my heart this morning. Because if you walk away and you just simply bring oral allegiance in your life and you're not seeing the movement that God wants you to see because it's an act of disobedience, but look at all that I'm doing for you, but I'm not allowing you to do anything in me, to move me, that's disobedience. The followers of Jesus, the disciples of Jesus, do not work in constant disobedience. Not that you find perfection. This is not what that's about. But it's about coming to a place of surrender and walking in that place of obedience. Friends, we can see things happen in the church like you've never seen. But we're going to have to do things that we're not usually doing. And that simply comes to a place of saying, Lord, you are speaking to me and you want to move me, and it is hard. You want me to confess this thing, forgive this person. You want me to to rebuild this relationship with my spouse. You want me to do this and serve my kids who have taken so much from me. You want me to listen to your word when I don't like the person who's preaching it? We get into those places. And it's not about me and it's not about you. It's about our relationship with Christ. To say you believe in something but to never see yourself changed by something you believe, that's deception. Jesus clearly stated that many will say, Lord, it's wise for us to move but to hear and to do is how you move. Then he sets it up with another illustration right after that, verse 23. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them, so that's, here's that whole hear and do stuff, they will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock and the rain, the rain fell The floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears the words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rains fell, the floods came, the winds blew, beat against the house, it fell and great was the fall of it. Moving starts with hearing. Of course we have to hear the Word. We believe that God set apart these Sunday mornings for the teaching of His Word and for us to hear the teaching of the Word of God. This is the come to church part. Everyone who hears these words of mine. But the second is the do part. So according to Jesus... It's more important for you to take what you hear and go home and dwell and meditate and have conversation about it and then get into the quiet place and say, Lord, what do you want me to do as a result of this? And it's not just limited. Listen, it's not just limited to a Sunday morning service. You understand that I'm not just simply saying the Sunday morning service is where you hear God speak to you. No, it is one of the places of the various places that you hear God speak to you. Let's not forget when you sit alone with him in the mornings, And you open up the precious word of God and you invite him into that moment so you can be with him and he speaks to you and it's a little challenging and a little tough because you're just not sure you have the courage or the boldness to do what he's convicted you to do. It's like saying as a child, I used to put Cortland, she loved this too, I used to put Cortland up on the refrigerator sitting on the refrigerator donna hated it and i would say jump to daddy jump to daddy man she'd come bailing off you know just bailing off every time but there was never a time where she said i don't think i'm going to do that because i never dropped her i never gave her a reason to doubt but when we stiff arm what god's commanding us and teaching us it's as if we're saying god I am not jumping to you, I'm not trusting you. When our reason for doubt is never because of him, it's because of us. He's faithful. He doesn't change. He's the same as the scriptures say, yesterday, today, forever, and that's the promise of what we have. Hear and do is how you move. Prepare for the floods. Avoid the great fall. Finally, verse 25, James chapter 1. But the one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty, and perseveres, that's a hard thing for us to do, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, he will be blessed in his doing. Move makes a difference. You know why? This whole verse, and there's a lot to it. I'm telling you, you could take this one verse and you could preach a whole sermon just specifically on this because there's so much that you want to pull out of this that is so rich for us in our walk. But the one who looks, that means studying, listening, wanting to hear, desiring to grow in the things of Christ, into the perfect law, that's the truth that clarifies and delivers. It does not confuse and deceive. The law of liberty freedom that's what we all love we love freedom we want freedom but that freedom is christ freedom is not just in any book freedom is in christ who the book is about freedom liberty is what we stare into and want to know about you know what when you're young because i get to speak to the next generation a lot when you're young You usually don't think about the rains coming and the floods rising. You just don't think that way. Is that right? But as life progresses, you just see how fierce the storms can really get you begin to realize that there are things coming that I don't know about and there are things gonna happen that I have no control over and I don't know what to do about those and that will happen. Jesus doesn't just say I want you to hear and I want you to do so that you can move so I can put you in in a transformational place. He's saying I want you to be ready. I want you to be the people who look differently in a culture that runs to substance. And I want you to say that what I have, what makes me stand strong in the face of chaos and problem is Jesus Christ and what he's doing in me that's that anchor in my soul, so to speak. It's that place where Christ has captured me And his promises hold me, and the more I grow in that, and he's he's shifted me from where I was to where he wants me to be, and I'm in that constant place of being teachable and shifting, that when that happens, my life stands blessed. The blessing of being a doer of the word is not hoping That Christ is with you, but knowing that He's not just with you, but because of your obedience, your testimony is what He's using to a lost world around you. They're clinging to everything that they can get their hands on when chaos comes. Church, this shouldn't be for us who are believers. And for you today who are not believers, you're coming and you don't know where you stand with God, the question is this, what are you hanging on to when those things come? How do you know how to be satisfied and full of joy in the place of pain and problems? when the world around you is idolatrous and they're looking to anything that they can put their hands on tangibly that will ultimately go away and that your faith is what you're living in and yet that faith grows in you and it grows you and all of a sudden you're standing like an anchor in this crazy storm and there's joy flooding your soul, that is a testimony of the work of Christ. And that is the heart that reaches into the places of hurt and pain of others because what we know is who we are in him. And because of what we have gotten, we don't need anything from this world. We're able to freely give. There is this life that gives. Do you see what here and do begins to move you to? It's a life that gives. It's a life that thinks about others. It's a life that looks up and sees a need and says, I'm not afraid to meet the need. I don't know how I can meet the need, but I will be there by the need. I will see the need. I will not move away from the need. I care about the need. And what if we all saw the needs in the places around us and we met those needs with the love of Christ, the kindness of Christ, the mercy of Christ, the righteousness of Christ. What if we met those needs because we're filled with him and we're not afraid to be moved by him? Then you begin to see a church on fire because that's when Jesus is exalted and the spirit is enabled to do what he's called us to do. This is simply a sermon on obedience. You realize that, right? It's all about obedience. But can I just tell you this, and the Lord just wants me to leave you with this. James does not preach or speak or write this so that we can turn around and say, we want to see a big church. He writes this because he says, I want you to have a big faith. It doesn't matter how many you have here. It matters how you respond to what Christ is doing in you. Big church is not the size of your congregation, but the faithfulness of the followers. That's when it gets big. Because it's how Christ uses us. I just wonder where you're at with this. Because when you move, brothers and sisters in Christ, you make a difference. And it matters. In this time of reflection, this time of invitation, you land in one of two places. Either you're lost and you need to come and give your heart to Jesus Christ and salvation. This is the day that you no longer want to be separated from this place of darkness and loneliness. And you want to come and let the Jesus who died on the cross embrace you right where you are. And you know what the beauty of that is? It doesn't matter how far you are in your own mind, in your own wickedness. Jesus can reach you right there. That's what he died for. And for some of us who are believers... The challenge is this, are we willing to do something with the conviction that he's putting on us today? Let us not sit still and be deceived. Let us be hearers and doers of the word and watch God move through us in a powerful way. We're going to have members of our prayer team coming forward during the invitation. Our worship team will lead us in a time of invitation but it's between you and the Lord as you respond today. And we will walk you through whatever we can to help you. Will you stand and pray with me as we close our service? Father, as we have this time of response, I ask that you speak to our hearts and that you challenge us in the places where we need to move. Thank you for a scripture that does not toy around but helps us understand how to be healthy in a broken world and it's all about what you're doing in us and giving your permission and we ask that you are honored in Jesus name we pray amen